Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious French corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Bonjour again, Deacon That's Jeff. right. We're, uh, we're on yeah. pilgrimage here in Lourdes, France. Catholic Cafe loves to be uh, here in this beautiful, beautiful part of the world uh, to be with our Mother Mary, but also to meet the interesting people. From all around the world. And we actually have someone from Malta today, a professor from Malta. That's right. We talk about the Order of Malta. Malta. Of course, we, have to, uh, we have to tell people the Order of Malta who sponsors this program. It helps right. us to bring this program to the people. And we talk about the Order of Malta. And we've had many shows on the Order of Malta. Uh, but now the Malta part of that, yeah. right? We actually have Dane Monroe here, who is a Knight of Malta from the Republic of Malta. Indeed. And welcome, Indeed. Dane, to uh, to our program. Well, I'm glad to have uh, met you here in Lourdes. I just, uh, and actually, also, actually, we just pulled him off the street, <laughs> Deacon. Deacon, 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 Deacon no, we're walking on the street, and all of a sudden we hear this guy talking about the siege of Malta and this great military battle, and we start talking about the Crusades, and it's like, you know. We've never done a show on that. That's right. This sounds like an interesting little conversation we could have here in the cafe. Well, because I think there's a lot of misperception about the Crusades, and, Dane, that's one of the things I think our listeners – want to know about what what caused the crusades and what time period in history did this start do you 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 know even so right before we even do that i think we should step back for a second and just look at the big picture and say i think a lot of people walk around with the perception they've bought into a modern sort of um ideology that the crusades were are are evil bad things and and a lot of catholics Catholics, well even catholics will walk around thinking that this is our black eye this is the thing that the catholics did that well we're kind of ashamed of this and we want to move past it and there were been recent uh times that uh uh, very important people in our government or even in our church might have made comments that make us think that we should be ashamed of the crusades right and i thought well that's interesting and so we have dane here and so Mm. we having a conversation about what is the reality of the Crusades? And maybe we should start with, uh, you know, talking about uh, Rome and this, what happened with the Romans and how that sort of set all this stuff in motion. Well, you just mentioned the black eye. Yeah. Well, that is good. How did you get this black eye? Somebody gave it to you. And then yeah. you gave somebody a black eye back. <laughs> so that is, in fact, the, the quintessential thing of the Crusade. Uh, the Christians from Europe start fighting back to take back what was taken from them. Who right. took it from them, though? Uh, did, did. Well, there was this um, interesting development in the world. Um, in a way, time period, said, like a thousand years ago? Or well, let's say, know. let's go back to this crucial year in the, the Roman period, so 476. Uh, the Roman central authority falls asunder. This is destroyed by various uh, which incursions. Which had been the influence of that, all that area was under that influence for right. so many years. Exactly, right. and the, the whole Mediterranean was the Mare Nostrum, ROC, and which was mainly Catholic from Morocco to Baghdad. So it was all right. Catholic, yeah. Uh, not all, but uh, mainly Christian. Very influential. Uh, very uh, variety of religions, but uh, relatively peaceful. Uh, early Christianity did not go to the sword. Uh, just, right. It just spread. Because it had so many advantages over the old Roman religions, mm-hmm. uh, position of the women, of the right. slaves, etc. So when this um, Roman Empire, this central authority falls apart, there are many uh, governors who suddenly are a kind of a king of a kingdom. Right, because you've got all this land. All this land, this right, governors, and, and they, uh, they start fighting about 
authority, this is my government, and uh, my start land, fighting this my is my land, little kingdom, and yeah. my little kingdom, and start fighting with others. And Europe is then um, a bit of, well, falls victim to infighting. But that stabilizes, uh, it unites, because um, then, of course, things happen. Um, from the 6th century onwards, we have um, the new religion of Muhammad, the Muslims coming out of the desert. Right. And conquering those lands from Baghdad to Morocco, which were originally uh, right. Christian. They also captured Spain, they captured Sicily, they captured Malta. And uh, Europe, of course, is under fire from the north. You have the Norsemen, from the east you got the Huns, and from the south you got the Muslims. And Malta, and, uh, Malta Sicily, Spain, Europe, they have to defend themselves from one way or the other. And Europe, as I understand it, uh, reunites under Christianity. And then they think it's time, more or less, to um, take back what was taken from them. Now, that was only possible also by the, the development of chivalry. Uh, you know, the, knight the, the idea of knights. Knight in shining right. armor, etc., right. etc. Et the and, romantic and this period. is the, the knights of Malta. We're starting to see the development of chivalry. And, well, what and is a knight? It was a, it was yeah. a what is a knight? Well, we, of course, the Roman, Romans had the cavalry. And, of course, that continued to be a, a formidable weapon on the battlefield. In the many little wars in the European fragmentation, so to speak, the knights became very valuable. You had, um, then you had the nobility, you had the clerics, and you had the people who worked. The knights became a separate class. Right. A fighting class. A, a fighting class, and they got their own little status. And it became, first, it was not hereditary. It was just um, everybody could become a knight with the money. But it became a, a social class on its own. And then afterwards, many noble persons became a knight as well. So the knighthood elevated itself. Right. It was a close thing. Then uh, only the sons of a knight could become a knight. And so you get its own social class. But now. it wasn't something that was uh, born out of people wanting to be in their own class. They, they were. It no. was a necessity, right? A, a, they a were necessity for it. survival. Of course, um, there are many... Uh, aspects of this uh, chivalry. There was a lot of infighting. The church tried to stop the fighting and protect the weak, like the women and the children, and you could only fight from uh, Monday to Thursday, and oh, Friday yeah. to Monday you had to be peaceful. It's like, what did it mean to be a Christian soldier? Yeah. There was sort yeah. of a code. Christus militis, hmm? or milis Christi. But I think what happened, uh, Professor, in my understanding, uh, was that what happened was there was, in the Holy Land, there was a particular persecution of Christians that happened before 1090, where they were really starting to kill the Christians. And one of the popes, that was it, like Urban II, really said, we've got to do something because there's a horrible persecution of Christians going on in the Middle East. Of course, that, and that was fed, of course, uh, by this idea that um, those other religions took what was originally theirs, especially the cradle of Christianity, Jerusalem. Uh, there was this uh, fighting class which emerged, and the time was ripe. To take back what was what was taken, right? And so, again, that that this is the beginning of what some people would look at now, and maybe even, unfortunately, now be think they should be embarrassed about. When in reality, this was the time when the the people were to to stand up and to reclaim. It was in fact Deacon Crusade is a reference to the cross. They wore the cross. They put the cross on their armor. Right. And a crusade, I believe, is the Latin. Is that right, Professor? Yeah, sort of the, the you, they made vows as well because yep. you could get, of course, in the Christian mind of those days, you could get um, your place in heaven when you died for the religion. 
which are normal things. You can't judge the religion of the past with the eyes of the present. That's one major mistake many people make. Also, the Crusades. Many people talk about the Crusades and, oh yes, the Christians went to Jerusalem and slaughtered everybody. It's right. a bit of black and white, and it's quite right. Uh, and also, not this true. concept that the, the that the Christians went to to conquer and went to which they did in the sense that you 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 enter into every battle with the perception that you want to win, but the cause and the reason for the battle was not one that was instigated by the Christians. It, right? was, it was a response. It was to take back that which had originally been Christian that right. had been conquered. Um, by the Seljuk Turks, basically the, uh, the uh, Islamic troops at the time. Now, again, there's a time period lapse, wasn't there? Because at that time, it oh, took and a we're while. also talking yeah. about hundreds of years, years. here. It's not it's like something that happened just, last Wednesday. It's not just like uh, over yeah. two weeks, because of course um, Spain is being conquered, uh, Sicily and Malta, especially the, um, Malta, was a bit of a troublesome period. Malta, 870, was a small island, part of the Byzantine Empire, and then. In that year, there's the, uh, the first confrontation with uh, the people of Tunisia. Now, there's a siege, or a siege of about three months, and um, the Tunisians win. And then the Maltese, as punishment for trying to defend themselves, uh, we can read in the writings of a certain Al-Himiri, who was the, the chronicler of the Bay of Tunis, that all the Maltese men were beheaded and uh, all the women and children were taken away in slavery. Oh, that's awesome. And they enslaved a lot, didn't they, Professor? I mean, that, that was a, there were a lot of Christian slaves at the time being captured and made slaves. Of course. If we, if we, took a, if we take a look at the uh, population of Malta, um, somewhere between thirteen and 20,000 people were just simply taken away from the island, just like that. Destroying families and heritage tradition for uh, many, many, many centuries. Of course, uh, it is also this, the same Ahimiri writes that all the treasures of Malta were taken to Tunis and the whole island was laid waste. Hmm. So um, this is senseless destruction, rather. So, Professor, so the, the Crusades start and the, the knights go back to the Holy Land and actually recapture Jerusalem. The Knights of Malta at that time they were called the Knights of St. John. Is that? Uh, well, let's go back a bit further in time because we okay. need a bit of a, a, a sprint. Uh, okay. We have this, what, what is called the Reconquista. Uh, the Spanish start fighting back. Then the Normans uh, take Sicily, free Malta. And when Malta is free, they send all the Christian slaves home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, that you get this idea of fighting back. Now, if you look at Jerusalem, uh, that was in the past uh, divided in four quarters. You had the uh, Armenian quarter, the uh, East Christian quarter, the Arabic quarter, and the Latin Christian quarter. And around 2050, pious merchants of Amalfi, that's a, a southern South Italy, right. a kind of trade, trading nation, city-state, uh, just, just and just like Venice and, uh, right. and and all the others, and they already had permission to build a hospital for their their pilgrims and their uh, the people who work there. Then uh, something interesting happens uh, around 1070. A certain Gerard comes. It's a bit of a vague person. Blessed Gerard. The, yeah. It's a blessed Gerard, the founder of the order, the institutor. But we can't agree if he is from the Provence or from Amalfi. Uh, both claim. Ownership. <laughs> Ownership. <laughs> so whatever it was, um, w- what this Gerard does, he builds hospitals for um, Christians in, in the Holy Land. He doesn't only take care of the pilgrims when they're in the hospital, he also starts protecting them on the way to 
the road, the whole land. So he and, builds. And again, we want to stop and, and say this is where hospitals. I mean, you guys are called yeah. hospitalers, right? right. You, exactly. you know, and so this is where the, this concept, and a lot of people don't realize the connection between Catholicism, uh, Blessed Fra Gerard, and ho- the hospital, and, and, and caring, and all that yeah. kind of stuff is all part of this. And the, the greatest miracle, what Gerard did, in my opinion, is to make a, uh, a whole chain of hospitals from Europe to Jerusalem, and even to uh, what already happened in Santiago. There's a whole chain from Europe hospitals to Santiago and uh, in imitation of that Gerard did the same and that was extremely successful oh wonderful I tell you what we're going to take a break real quick uh, because our 12 minute segment here we just kind of zoomed right through through history with several hundred years of history and we'll have several more hundred years to talk about before we do that I want to talk uh, uh, remind folks at home we got a great website www.thecatholiccafe.com also love to hear from you send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com and with that we will be right back I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. As Jesus and the two thieves hung upon their crosses, Roman soldiers came to break the legs of the crucified to hasten death, as nightfall was approaching. When they came to Jesus, however, they found that he was already dead. The Gospel of John tells us in chapter 19, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he tells the truth that you also may believe. John does not name the soldier who pierced the side of Christ. But Catholic tradition has known him to be St. Longinus. And many stories surrounding St. Longinus, bordering on legend, have survived over the centuries. It is told that St. Longinus, who was nearly blind was miraculously healed as the blood and water that flowed from the lance wound of Jesus fell into his eyes. This caused him to exclaim, Indeed, this was the Son of God, as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. It is said that St. Longinus was so moved by the events of Christ's crucifixion and his own healing that he converted to Christianity on the spot. The story continues that St. Longinus then withdrew from military service spent time receiving instruction from the apostles, and lived the remainder of his life a holy man in the region of Cappadocia, now modern Turkey. Legend has it he was imprisoned for his Christian faith, and his teeth and tongue were removed so that he could not proclaim the gospel to his fellow prisoners. But, miraculously, and much to the amazement of those who imprisoned him, he was still able to speak the truths of the faith in a clear, fearless voice. He was eventually beheaded, and his relics now rest in San Agostino, the Church of St. Augustine in Rome. The relic of the Holy Lance that pierced the side of the crucified Lord can be found in one of the four great pillars that rise above the main altar in the Basilica of St. Peter. Whether or not the events put forth regarding St. Longinus happened exactly as tradition tells us is unsure. But what can be said with surety is that any man who stood at the foot of the cross of Christ and witnessed the death of the Son of God and the Savior of the world would be a changed man. He could never be the same again. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. 
welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. Robert, we've got it. This is really interesting. You know, normally when I hear someone say, oh, we got this history professor guy who wants to talk about history, and everyone starts thinking sleepy time. It's going to get boring. But yet this is such a fascinating history here, Damon Rowe, and really this idea that um, is maybe different as we hear the truth about history and we, we forget our history sometimes, and so it gets rewritten and, and ignored, and we have to relive it because uh, the truth in history is one that may be different than the perception that people have yes. of things like the Crusades, of knights, uh, and, and, uh, and, and this great work uh, that the Order of Malta accomplishes even today. History might be kind of confusing but for some folks. Dane, going back, because we were talking about the Crusades, and we were talking about the fighters coming in, and you mentioned that a hospital was founded. Now, how does that translate, though, into fighting knights? I mean, we had Blessed Gerard, and we have these hospitals in the Holy Land understand that. But where does, the, where does the fighting element or the crusade element come into that? Well, the fighting element really comes also from defense, uh, tutsi fide, so the uh, fight against the enemies of religion, and the obsequium paucrum, the mottos of the Order of St. John. The That's the motto of the Knights of Malta, right? Yeah, exactly. That is the faith care of, the uh, of the sick and the care of the sick and the poor. Imagine you're a pilgrim. Um, it's an exhausting trip. And your last legs, you're in a group of people, and you're landed in Jaffa from a ship, and you start walking to Jerusalem. And, um, well, uh, highwaymen, um, in this case, of course, people from... Uh, the Arabic local population in the, right. those areas, and they see you coming from far, because there's a bit of a dust cloud, and there are uh, lots of miserable people, and that's an easy target, because they all had some money to donate. For their pilgrimage. For the pilgrimage. The so they were an easy target, a soft target. So um, very often they were murdered, and if I may say raped, slaughtered, beaten up, robbed. Right, horrible uh, the, things. The whole things. assortment of stupidity basically yeah. because um, in the end the Muslim rulers realized that um, a protected pilgrim is a pilgrim who brings money because it's simply trade because they all need bed and breakfast they all need lodging they all need a souvenir Right. Uh, that's big business but in the past they just simply did not understand it they just thought oh they're Christians we're going to get them Right. Um, that is one of the reasons why the brothers of the order and, of course, uh, the first hospital was under the rule of the Benedictines. Now, the Benedictines is a rule for lay brothers within a close community. They are looking inwards, while the knights of the, the brothers of the hospital looked outwards, and they were in a strange country, you know, a stranger in a strange land. So they adapted the rule, and also they start actively protecting the pilgrims on the way to the hospital. Now, later on, of course... Um, because of the Crusades, the order militarizes. But they never left uh, the core uh, reason of being uh, building hospitals. They never left this. Right. So in great contrast to the Templars, who were fighters and bankers and did not care about hospitals. So there was a different kettle of fish. Uh, the German Knights, the Teutonic Knights, uh, had also an element of hospitality in them. Um, of course, uh, to cut the long story short, um, the order develops and develops and develops and gets bigger and bigger. But these are all, but just so we understand, Ian, these are all groups of knights that came to the Holy Land 
to take back the Holy Land, which had originally been Christian? Well, not and exactly in the time of Girard. They were lay brothers after 1096. Yeah. So the hospital starts under Girard, 1070. Now, 26 years later, when you look back, it's nothing, but 26 years is a long period in a sure, right. person's life. So then you get uh, the Crusades coming in. And the Crusades, um, the people, they, um, they come and they go. Uh, but what the Order of St. John the later order of St. John does, is becoming a standing army. Because the Crusaders, and of course there were a lot of uh, bad people among uh, the Crusaders. That, that's that right. And that's true through. even today. Right. Even in a church of, of mercy and love and forgiveness and peace, there can be some bad folks that are mingling yeah, of course, in there. Uh, the element of greed is apparently so strong um, that it goes to the cost of everything else human. Mm. And we have seen it lately with economic and financial crisis. Yes. There are few people who just can do, and they just do it, and they don't care and about so the so this rest. is true right. all during this development right. of all this time. It's uh, true since we became ex-chimpanzees. Right. <laughs> but, but, but the truth, the, the, the fact of the matter is, though, that in essence, that this was a response to a takeover of an area that was Christian. Exactly. It was a response like we're going to get back that most holy part of Christianity, Jerusalem. The birthplace of our Lord. Right. So again, and in the footstep of our right. Lord. Right. And while I know that uh, that economics and, and, and finances and people might think, kind of like when people think we, we go to war to conquer a country and to take its resources, this was to retrieve a spiritual gem, right? It's, 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 it's the, the birthplace of our Lord and, and where the, the early church developed. And it's your origins. Yeah. So you need to be careful with your origins. You need to protect it, cultivate it, and do something. And so, how, so the Crusades were really a response to that, rather than uh, this idea that we were marching across these lands to conquer and to bring death to other religions and, and whatnot, really no, it was it, to reclaim and to... Uh, exactly. It was not uh, a fight against Islam. It was a fight to get back what was theirs, yes. what was perceived to be theirs. Right. And there is, of course, a bit of a problem, because if people have been living there for 100 years, 100 years or longer, then now that's have their a tradition. Claim. Yeah. You, you yeah. have a claim. Isn't that the same problem, Dan, we see today, how we see in it's history? It's always the same problem. Where even in the Middle East today, different people claiming, oh, that's my well, land. Well, it's you, you know, you, you, you go to Jerusalem, right? Yeah. And you see, like, this is this quarter, this sector, this is this. And, and you have all these great world religions who lay claim and are there, uh, you know, still today right. in this verse. Sort of interesting little cacophony, you know, this little grouping of, of folks which still speaks to that. Uh, that these multiple histories now intertwined. Yeah, Jerusalem is a kind of microcosmos. Yeah. Now, how many crusades were there? I mean, well, do we there know? were four main crusades, but um, to do justice to history, the first one was the most genuine one. What, what do you mean by that? Well, that is the original motivation, getting back what was yours. Right. For, uh, for God and Fatherland, the God wills it, the Deus Volt, that's what uh, Urban said. And it was bought in, in it was a winning narrative. Right. In other words, the first crusade, Urban II, the Pope, really preached that, said we need to do something because the Christians were being murdered in the Holy Land at that right. particular time. And that was the first, you know, God wills that we need to go and to do that. Yeah, right. Well, and of course, uh, there were, you know, f fearless knights and, and, uh, and, and involved, and so they were fighting for, the, for a cause, not just because they were just angry people that wanted to go and, 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 and fight. No, anger, I don't think there was any anger. Right. Uh, there was a lot of um, motivation, right. uh, piety, uh, because the Knights of St. John have shown you can be pious while you're still a soldier. Because one day they would take care of the weak and wounded, 
and next day, if necessary, you girded the sword and uh, went for it. Dane, we should probably take a moment. You know, we're getting towards the end of our little talk here. Very briefly, uh, again, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years that we're condensing into a, just a few minutes here. Yeah. But, you know, what is the lesson to be learned in terms of, like, forgetting history? Right? You, you're, uh, you know, you, you, you teach about history. You talk about history. What is the thing you tell the people who are you're talking to today? There seems to be a lack of appreciation of history, doesn't there? Well, there is, uh, I think, uh, not teaching history or forgetting history. Uh, you're going to pay dearly for this mm. because people do not have a, a solid background of their past. So if you don't know your past, you can't, you can't know your future. Yeah. If it's only all political correct and according to lobbyists and other things, that leads us nowhere. Because then the real motivation is blurred because you get hidden agendas. Right. Uh, why is it not possible to call a spade a spade? Yeah. That will be very enlightening. And also, if you know history, you can, instead of looking back all the time, you can look forward. And That's you right. Make pro- you make progress. Because don't the people that sort of forget history end up, they, they tend to relive it. And right, over and over again, all over the pains. And over, of course, because they are not stopping to think. And, of course, it's also in the interest of politicians, I would say, or uh, very important organizations or mighty Im- uh, organizations to have the history written to their body, not to Yeah, true, people tend to rewrite history, to don't they? To their corporate image or whatever. And uh, people buy into it because they forgot how to be critical. Yeah, well, I was going to say, why do, why do people just uh, accept these things, which are really, if you look at them at the face of them, they're wild claims. They're, they're falsehoods a lot of time, what, we, what we're taught about history. Because why do people like, uh, accept because that? Because they're easy uh, political jargons. Uh, if you're on the left side, it's easy to just claim the Crusaders, uh, crazy Christian murderers. If you're on the ultra-right side, you will blame the other religions. Right. Uh, but there is, uh, truly, there is a objective way. Right. Absolutely. This has been very educational for, for me, and I know that all our listeners appreciate just taking this little, this little nugget, which is, expands over many, many hundreds of years, and yet to see uh, just the, really the, the development of, of this, and that really out of all this is uh, maybe a, a perception that needs to be reawakened in our, our modern times. Well, I do agree that uh, history is an important thing. Unfortunately, and I know this from my own youth, the history teachers were so boring. Yeah. They knew a lot, but they couldn't deliver. So yeah. I think uh, one of the educational things for educational programs for historians is know how to deliver. Well, Dane Monroe, we really appreciate you taking the time to sort of educate us on just the, the history of the order, but also the development of the Crusades and, the, and knighthood and all these things. Uh, very eye-opening. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. Well, it was great. Thank you very much. Let's pray to Our Lady and ask for her intercession. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.